resurrection morning might have more relevance in our modern world right now than ever before. And the reason for that is life is changing. Our world is changing rapidly. Our, we've never experienced, or most of us in this room have never experienced inflation the way we're experiencing it. We haven't experienced the uh, threat of economic breakdown that's knocking on the doors of many of our homes and our houses. Our governments and our planet, somebody say it, they're a mess. They're a mess. And in the background, there's this threat looming of possible World War III. If there ever is something that the resurrection of Christ can speak into, it's a future and a hope. It's a future and a hope. And what's interesting is everybody is sitting up and paying attention. The thing that resurrection speaks to is our greatest questions and some of our greatest fears. Questions like, are we going to be all right? Is our family going to be all right? Is our nation going to be all right? Does God know about this? Does God care? about this? Does God know about me? And does he care about me? Do I have a future? Do I have a hope? What the resurrection of Sunday does is it releases hope because people need hope. You need hope and I need hope. Turn to your neighbor. You need hope. Come on. And the Apostle Peter actually releases this verse in his first uh, epistle. Verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to what? Somebody say, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter is the one that released this in his epistle, but Peter had a time when he had no hope. And I think sometimes we are on the other side of this resurrection and we have the narrative in the Bible, which wasn't actually finished until three and a half decades or uh, 350 years after the resurrection. You know, we don't believe in the resurrection because of the Bible. We believe in the resurrections because of the witnesses and their testimonies. Because the Bible wasn't written until three and a half centuries after. But Peter's testimony, Apostle Paul's testimony, Luke's testimony, Matthew's testimony, the testimony of the followers of Jesus testify. But there was a day when they had no hope. And I think we forget that. I think we forget that there was a day when there was no resurrection. And it was a dark day. It was a dark Friday. It was a dark Saturday. And when Jesus died, Peter's hope died. 
When Jesus was crucified, there was nobody that believed that he was the son of God. There was nobody that believed that he was the Messiah. And there was nobody that believed that he was the Savior. There were no Christians because there was no resurrected Christ. And their hope for the future was dashed and their faith disappeared. Lights were out. And we find them, according to John chapter 20, hiding in fear of the ones who had crucified their friend, their master, and their Lord. Obviously, he wasn't who they thought he was. And it happened so fast. One moment they're celebrating the Lord's Supper, the Passover feast. And within hours, he's hanging on that cross, bleeding, mutilated, tortured. And then they watched him die. And when he died, their hope died. Not only was Friday dark, but Saturday was dark. Let's put ourselves in their place. All of their dreams are gone. They left their jobs. Disciples had been following him for three years, believing that he was the one that was going to restore hope to Israel. They'd ate with him. They'd watched him walk on water. They, they watched him and witnessed him calming the storm with his word and telling the seas, be still. He healed raised people from the dead. He fed the 5,000 with a few fishes and a few loaves of bread. And they're in this place of remembering and all the things that he said, all the things that he did. But one irrevocable fact was stronger than all their memories. He's gone. Jesus is dead. He's gone. His mama was there. She's remembering the prophetic words, the supernatural conception, the prophetic words spoken over his life, that he would be the savior of the world, the one who would forgive all men's sins, take care of all men's sins and save the world. And then she met him there on the cross. She followed him as her rabbi. And then on the cross, he looks down and says, woman, and hands her off to John. Why? Because he's going away. He's dying. He's dead. And she watched them pull his body down off that cross. And rigor mortis was already coming upon his body. And his stiff arms were bent over his body as it, as it was in a death position. And they wrapped him in linens and put him in the tomb. You see, when, when Christ died, their hope died. Saturday was a dark, dark day. Sunday night was a dark, dark night. Somebody say, but Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning, before the dew came down on the grass and the fields, and before the sun peeked over the hills of Judea, women got up early in the morning with, 
with spices. And these spices was something they always did, is they went back to the people who died, who were wrapped up, and they would cover up the stench of decay of the dead person. They got up that morning to go do this to the body of Jesus and the, and the uh, corpse of Jesus because they wanted to cover up the stench of a decaying body. You see, they were doing what they always did when people died because people who die stay dead. I've done a little research. The statistics of death of everybody in the valley is 100%. But because Jesus rose again from the dead, there are going to be people here in this room who raised from the dead. And when he rose, he didn't just raise over the expectations of the disciples. He rose over the authorities of Roman Empire. He rose over the, the reach of the Sanhedrin's courts. He rose over all the religious arguments that he wasn't the Messiah. He rose over all the powers of sin and hell and death. And he rose and grabbed the keys of death and Hades. Anybody happy about that? But what the resurrection of Christ does not mean is that you and I don't have down days. That you and I never experience pain or loss. That you and I never have seasons where we wonder, will I make it through? The resurrection doesn't say that this life is all going to be easy. Anybody experience that? But what the resurrection does say is I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Maybe you're here today and you've watched these people have been baptized and you've watched a bunch of people get excited and sing songs like they mean it. But you doubt. You doubt if it's really true. Or maybe you doubt if it's really for you. I've got good news for you. Jesus pursues doubters. You see, the disciples were left after Jesus died on the cross. They were left with only their failures. That's all they were left with. Of course, they all scattered and left him. And we know that Judas understood all, all what he had done, the treachery he had done. He actually took his life. Thomas, it says, scurried off not to be found when the other disciples gathered together in the upper room and were hiding from the Pharisees and the Roman uh, authorities. Thomas was not to be found. Why? Because he was a doubter. He was off somewhere else when Jesus all of a sudden shows up in the upper room in his glorified body, raised from the dead. And what Thomas say when they told him, Thomas, he's alive. Thomas, he's alive. What did Thomas say? Unless I stick my hand in his side and put my fingers on his scars of his hands, I will not believe. I got good news for Thomas's. Jesus 
showed up for Thomas. Look at John 26 or 20, 26 through 29. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, reach here and your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be believing, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. My Lord means my master. I am surrendered to your leadership in my life now. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are they who did not, or are they who do not see yet believed. Is there anybody in this room who have not seen Jesus, but yet believe? Raise your hands. All across, he's speaking of you, by the way. The good news is that Jesus pursues us to give us faith. If we will open our minds, if we'll open our hearts, if we'll pursue the truth. I did that 42 years ago. I, my wife would not go out with me because I wasn't a Christian. Praise Jesus. Her conviction of following the Lord provoked me to go, why? And I sought truth. I looked for what is the truth about the resurrection of Christ. Did he really rise? And in my pursuit, I discovered the history, the changed lives of the disciples into men and women who laid down their lives to tell the truth. Jesus is not in the tomb. He's ascended to heaven and he's alive. And if you'll believe in him, you will live forever more. If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time and this doesn't move your heart, you need revival. You need revival fire. It's become too familiar to you. You need a good dose of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you the truth. You need a fresh baptism. Come on, Jesus. Come on. I want to tell you three things. If you believe in Jesus and that's the question, do you? First thing, because he is risen, your failures are not final. Somebody say that's good news. Because he's risen, your failures are not final. He paid the price. I like to tell people that he paid the price for your past, your present, and your future sins. When he went to the cross, they were all future. He paid them all. He bore on his body all your all sins. And then the Bible says, oh man, this is so amazing. I will remember them no more. If you're in the room and you believed in Jesus, there's no record of your sins before the throne of heaven. There's a reason for us to be happy in this room. He paid the full price for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because he has risen, your failures are not final. And because he has risen, your life is not futile. I got to prophesy over Simon. Where's Simon? Raise your hand, Simon. Simon, I got more for you. I told Simon he's built for stability. 
There are going to be a lot of people around him that will go waver in their faith. But the Lord is anchoring you right today in faith in Jesus Christ. You will never waver. But you are going to be tested. You know where your test is going to come. And this is prophetically from the Lord. A woman is going to come into your life and you're going to have to make a decision. And the decision is going to go around, does she follow Jesus? And if she does not, then you will wait for a different woman. That's from the Lord. That's from the Lord. Because, because Simon, you have been clutched out of death and you've been put on this earth now to be a witness for Christ. You are the revelation of Jesus for people around you. And you can't do it in your own strength. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit because you can't be a normal person. You're a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. And now the because the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now has given life to your mortal body. You will walk in your purpose to be a witness of Christ in your workplace, in your school, in your home, and wherever your feet shall trod. Because he's risen, you have purpose. And that's true for everybody in here who believes. You have purpose to glorify the one and only creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And the last thing. Because he's risen, you will live forevermore. John 11, this is what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will even, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said this to, to Martha, do you believe this? And that really is the question for everybody in this room. Do you believe? I, I feel in my spirit that there's people in the room that are, are struggling with addiction. And I believe the Lord wants to set you free. I believe there's people in the room that are struggling in their marriages. And the Lord wants to release new purpose for marriages and reconciliation and healing. There's people in the room, I believe, that, that have given up in a lot of different areas. And the Lord wants to lose hope and a revelation for your future. Somebody say future. Because Jesus came and raised from the dead to say there is a future and there is a hope for anyone who will believe. Yeah. I, I honestly believe that today there's men and women in this room who are going to forsake the sinful ways of the past and step into the newness of life in Christ. And you're going to be set free. You're going to be set free. Can you stand with me? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus, with a big smile, is welcoming anybody today that says, you know what? I'm all in. I've been holding back. I've been 
playing the game of maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. But today, today I'm choosing to be all in. And if you're here with courage and boldness, just as these 16 witnesses shared, I want you to lift up your hand and say, that's me. I want to choose today to be all in, if that's you. Anybody that is in that place, you know, I need to be all in. And I haven't been all in. If that's you, I want you to come up front. We're going to pray for you. There's somebody, there's others in this room. Anybody, anybody want freedom? Come on, Danny, come up. We're going to pray for you again. Come on up, Keaton. Don't leave this place. This is a place for you to be reconciled to God. Don't leave this place without reconciliation. I'll give you another minute. Come on up. I want elders, be by each one and just pray over them. Come on up, Dale. Elders, Brenda, just come over here. All right, everybody else, put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Can you say this with me? Fire. It's the fiery love that God has for the person next to you. We ask, Lord, that you would baptize us with a fresh fire of your love. The passion that compelled you to go to the cross. The passion that compelled you to pay for our sins. The power of God that raised you from the dead. Endue us with the power of God to live this life out the way you've invited us to. For those that come forward that just need a fresh love from heaven, that need a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit, who need freedom in any way, I just can command the enemy, take your hands off these people. We speak life and life abundant over all these have come forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Well, we have one more thing to do. You guys can stay and pray. The two mission teams that are going to be going out for you, I want you to come up here real quick before we sing this last song. There's a team that's going to Bethel as a mission team. There's a team that's going to Af or Africa. Come right up here. And we're going to pray for them. One team's going to Zambia. Come on. And the other team is going to Bethel, Alaska. Come on. Go ahead, extend your hands. Let's come to agreement that God would bless them with strength, bless them with power, bless them with courage, bless them with anointing, help them preach the good news, not just with words, but in servant hearts. We thank you, God. The Zambia is going to be changed. We thank you, God, that Bethel, Alaska is going to be changed because we went. We obeyed you and we went. And I ask the anointing of the Lord to set people free wherever they may set their feet, may trod, set people free because of the resurrection of Christ. They will release the resurrection of Christ. 
And all of Northgate family said, Amen. 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 We're going to finish with a song, so stay in. Go ahead. Thanks, guys. Let's declare this out, and then we'll fellowship.